This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about fear. Fear, it's something most equestrians are more than familiar with. Just about all of us have struggled with this issue at some point in our lives with our horses. And with good reason, horses are large animals designed for flight with definite minds of their own. Today, we're going to talk to trainer and clinician Franklin Levinson about fear and how to cope with it. We'll talk to Franklin right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon Horsin' Around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to trainer and clinician Franklin Levinson about how to cope with fear in the saddle. Franklin, welcome back to the show. Hello, Audrey. A Merry Christmas to you. I'm delighted to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, same to you. Okay, we're going to talk about fear, which is a huge issue for a lot of riders. Why do you think it's such a big problem out there? Everybody has it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the horses have it, you know, uh-huh. the, we, and we have it. And there's the, the way I look at it, there's good fear and bad fear. Um, good fear is the kind of fear that keeps you from walking in front of a bus. Uh, and bad fear is the kind of fear that prevents you from living your life fully. Bad fear keeps you from trying new things or from uh, moving a little bit out of your comfort comfort zone. Uh, and the good fear, I think, is primarily a survival, innate survival mechanism that we all have. But the question is to balance it and recognize what's good fear and what's bad fear. And that's a lot of it as the same for our horses, too. And what is it about riding in particular that seems to have such a hold on this problem? Well, if you've been around horses at all, or should say been done some riding of horses, you're going to fall. I mean, it's like sooner or later, you're going to take a tumble. If you haven't taken a tumble, then you probably haven't spent all that much time riding horses. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean, Audrey, on that? Yeah. You know, it's oh, yeah. The territory. All it takes is one you know, hefty fall, 
where you don't land on your feet to perhaps get your attention. So mm-hmm. the survival mechanism fear comes in pretty strong. I mean, we don't want to fall. We don't want to break a bone. We don't want to get hurt. We hear about tragic accidents that have happened to people in falls, if, even if we haven't had a horrible fall ourselves. And that can create this survival fear, which can be taken to an extreme, though, again, to, which would prevent us from living fully or doing something that's really we have a lot of passion to do, which may be riding horses and so on. So dealing with fear is just part and parcel of riding horses, I think. So aside from the fact that fear inhibits our ability to enjoy riding, what issues does it create for the horse? Well, as you mentioned in the intro, the horse is a flight animal. It's prey. It's eaten by other animals. So it has a very strong flight instinct. And uh, it... um, that's what makes horses, which you might call them spooky, you know, and what makes them shy from things we don't even see, something rustling in the bush. The horse thinks maybe it's a lion or a wolf or some sort of predator that wants to eat it for dinner. Um, people say horses, they attribute certain kind of human characteristics to horses that they think are inappropriate and unfair. Um, what we see in behavior in horses that we don't want, such as spookiness, nervousness, uh, exaggerated flight instinct, or even bucking, kicking, rearing, biting, and those kinds of behavior, to me, my way of looking at it, are all fear-based. Because fear comes from, the f- comes from feeling, just like um, safety doesn't live in the outside world. Safety doesn't really exist out there. Safety is a feeling only. So you either feel safe enough to get on the airplane or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's the same for the horse. The horse either feels he's going to survive or he feels maybe he won't survive and you better get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Or he better strike, bite, kick, buck, whatever he needs to do to feel that he can survive. Mm-hmm. So I don't judge horses on their fear. I don't judge horses at all. Behavior I don't want in a horse I know is fear-based because I know how to be such a good leader for that horse, and it's the leader that gives him the feelings of safety. That's where he gets his feelings of safety. If you can become the good leader for the horse, you'll develop trust. The horse will begin to feel safe with you and act out less. He'll act uh, out of fear less, and he'll, he'll respond more because he trusts you as a good leader and not give you so many scary instances where you're worried for your own well-being. Something that helps fear a lot, Audrey, if I can move, move along, if you don't mind, is sure. knowledge. We tend to be afraid of things that we don't know and don't understand and don't, aren't familiar with. Um, the unknown is scary. And it's scary to humans and horses alike. So I try to encourage people in their horsemanship, whether it's their riding or on the ground with a horse, is to develop, first of all, some knowledge of horses, wisdom about horses that goes beyond riding technique. If you understand the mind of the animal and what's important to it, how to empathize with it, uh, and stop judging it, oh, he's crazy, he's bad, he's willful, he's stubborn, he's got his own mind, or whatever... Whatever attrib- uh, negative attribution we're kind of pin on these horses, understand that it's all fear. 
then our approach is going to be different than if if we're thinking the horse is bad, wrong, or crazy, or stupid, or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if we gain, if you want to deal with your fear about something, you need to gain first knowledge of it. So, but in the situation with horses, if we gain knowledge of the horse itself first, understand how his mind works, what's the psychology of the animal, what, why is he act, why do they tend to be so flighty, what makes them respond uh, out of fear so much, if we really get a handle on that, then we're going to stop judging them as bad, and then we're going to start to approach them from more of a base of knowledge. Aha, he's afraid. Now, how can I help him not to be afraid and to trust that he's going to be safe? Okay, then we're going to stop forcing the animal through its fear. This, when we force it, attempt to force a horse, make him move through his fear, this creates a more dangerous situation. And would, I would think it does for, for me, it has in the past anyway. If I, attempt, if I make a mistake with a horse and I attempt to push him too hard into something he's afraid of, that makes me more. He gets more afraid and I get afraid. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get more afraid, that escalates everything. Right. Because now the, horse, the leader of the horse is afraid. I'm mm-hmm. and I can't function uh, efficiently as a good leader. Mm-hmm. So I attempt to stay calm, understand that I'm dealing with a fearful with fear and not something that I can judge as bad or wrong, and be more patient, uh, be more compassionate because it's much easier to be compassionate in the face of something that's just afraid as opposed to something I judge as bad or wrong. Right. So, and, and then slow down, slow everything down. Start, take a few breaths because if we breathe on our, when we're riding and things get a little tense or fearful, if we manage to control our breath a little bit, breathe consciously, take nice deep breath, that'll settle us down and it'll settle the horse down too to a degree. And then maybe we can go one step at a time to introduce the horse to what he's afraid of. This may require getting off the horse. Um, There's an old paradigm, you've probably heard it. It says, you know, well, if the horse is afraid of him, don't get off. Just Mm -hmm. stay with it, ride it, ride through it. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, we need to be prudent and so on. I'll get off. I don't have a problem getting getting off a horse if he's really afraid of something and just acting out very dangerously out of his Mm -hmm. fear. I'll get off him and lead him up to the object. That's mm-hmm. fine. Or lead him over the thing he's afraid of or whatever, and then get back on him, and then mm-hmm. ride him over it. So the willingness to be flexible, to be creative, not to get upset, and to be conscious about how we respond to the animal's fear and our own fear will go a long way to help in, in gaining knowledge of the horse will go a long way to dispelling a lot of the fears. I'm going to let you, let you back in there now. Okay. <laughs> We're going on and on about that, as you no, know. No, that, hey, that's we, why you're here. We want well, to hear what I, you have I, to say. I tend to get rolling, and so I apologize. If I, no, no, that's okay. Um, I want to, well, some of the things you said brought up some, some questions. How, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, you said you get afraid, but I mean, you're a horse trainer, so your level of fear is probably not at the level of fear that some people experience who are more casual riders. 
I know someone who was bucked off her horse. She was just she was she wasn't riding her whole life. She started riding as an adult. A few years into her riding, she got bucked off a horse and got hurt pretty badly. And her passion for horses is so strong that she continues to try to ride, but her fear is crippling to the point where I, I watch her and I can't even understand why she gets back on. I mean, it's just, if the horse's head goes up and its ears go forward and it even looks at something in the distance, she leaps off the horse and has to stand there and like try to compose herself. I mean, the woman is terrified. When you have a fear that's so strong, how do you go backwards and start trying to break that down and, and work on it? Okay, I would, again, go to knowledge dispels fear. Uh, and good experience and positive experience can go a long way to developing confidence and learns, and also learned skills can help dispel fear and develop confidence. So for your friend, what I would suggest is that, first of all, she start learning something about horses. Because I bet you anything that she doesn't know all that much about the horse itself, hmm. first of all. So mm-hmm. I would go back to say, listen, let's, let's go see... Uh, some great uh, clinician or something, uh, you know, and have her start to handle the horse on the ground. I tell her, forget riding for a little while. Get to know your horse on the ground. Understand that if he picks his head up and puts his ears forward and looks at something, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do anything weird. He's just, they notice everything. That's just how they are. Mm-hmm. But she's not seeing it as a natural behavior. So if you gain some knowledge of the horse, understand what he's inclined to do naturally, as, as just being a horse, and she learns and gets some knowledge about that, and then she learns how to interact with the horse in its natural way. Because I'm sure she probably has the paradigm that she's out of control. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is, is you're always out of control. You, you don't control horses. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a dance. Dance partners aren't controlling each other. Mm. They're, they're moving off of each other's cues and signals. And in, like in ballroom dancing, it's, it's the guy who's the leader. In the horse-human dance, it's the human who's supposed to be the leader. Mm-hmm. If that human doesn't know how to lead that dance, it's, it's, there's no dance. It just falls apart. It's, it's our responsibility to be the good, knowledgeable leader. You can't be a knowledgeable leader unless you learn something about your partner. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest your friend learn something about horses and begin to handle a horse on the ground so she understands, you know, what to expect on the ground. Right. And then I would slowly reintroduce her to the equestrian aspects of it, the riding aspects of it, and keep her in a uh, relatively small area for a while, put her on a lunge line and, and lunge her around with, so she learns how to ride without hands and develops balance and, and coordination with the horse's movement and skills and so on, which should have been done extensively with her before. And none of this guarantees she isn't going to fall off again. But what it will guarantee is that she's going to move through some of this fear, and she's going to have a much better time with it. Okay. Um, yes, it does. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about that dance analogy you just made and okay. how it re- relates to trust. So we'll okay. be right back after these messages. Why the long face? <laughs> I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we're talking to trainer and clinician Franklin Levinson about fear. Franklin, you made an analogy with uh, the horse is your partner, just like when you're dancing with a person. I would think when you're doing ballroom dancing, like if you watch Dancing with the Stars, there, there's definitely a trust between the partners that you see. And how does that factor in here? I mean, I think people who are afraid of their horse don't trust the horse. And that's where it's hard to break through the fear. Well, they don't know their horse. First of all, you can't begin to trust somebody until you know them. Knowledge comes first, then comes trust. I mean, you, uh, you can just have faith. That's fine. You know, faith that somehow your life is going to work out or somehow that what happens is supposed to happen and will happen. That, that's one kind of faith. But there's a faith that comes with knowledge. Uh, there's a trust that, that, has to, that has to be accompanied by first knowledge about your partner, and about what you're, what you're trying to have trust in. So I go back to you have to learn about your partner. You have to learn the language of your partner. You learn the psychology of your partner. If, if this were Dancing with the Stars, believe me, those two people spend a lot of time, even if it's not a long time, but a lot of concentrated time then in rehearsals and getting to know each other and getting to know each other's personalities and how they flow together and so on. You know, if you could spend daily time with your horse, a couple hours a day, handling that horse, you're going to get to know that horse. Unfortunately, in today's busy world and all the responsibilities that people have, you know, maybe they're lucky if they get an hour a week or, you know, a couple hours a week. That's, that's about all the time they have. Four hours a day with a horse for five days in a row, you're going to do, get a lot more going than if it's, you know, four hours spread out over a month. So I, I have to go back to if you want to have a good dance with somebody or be, you know, a good high-level dance couple, get to know each other, learn about each other, make sure your communication is right on target, and that's going to develop the trust between the partners. And it's exactly the same with a horse. It's fast, but it can't, you can't have it be hit and miss or haphazard. It has to be consistent. It has to be um, focused. It has to be done with compassion and kindness. And then you, you have to gain knowledge and wisdom about the horse. There's no other way around it. 
so many of us neglect the knowledge, and they just want to go for the riding, riding, riding. They don't know anything about the animal they're riding. I don't blame them for being overly fearful. If you take a fall off of an animal you don't know anything about, well, that's really going to shake it up. Yeah. First of all, you're maybe not a real experienced rider, have been riding all your life. It's relatively new, and you don't know anything about the animal you're riding. That's not a good formula for success. What about if your equine partner has, you know, uh, you've come off of them during spooks or whatever and gotten hurt? And, I mean, how do you trust that that's capable of doing something that can unseat okay. you and hurt you? <clears throat> a lot of it depends on, first of all, how much do you trust yourself? How much do you trust your knowledge, confidence, and skill? I should say, how much do you trust your knowledge and skill? Okay, that will translate to your, your confidence level. Um, so if, you, if you've gotten dumped a few times off of a particular horse, chances are you don't know that horse that well anyway, even if you're the owner of the horse. We need to be willing to say, well, you know, maybe this is not the right horse for me. Maybe with my level of expertise and this horse's level of training, maybe that's not such a good match. Uh, I have known people who are so stuck in their mindset about a particular horse. Oh, I'd never sell this horse. I don't care what happens. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to do this. And they really set themselves, they don't really develop in their horsemanship. What they do is they just make this huge commitment to not the best horse for them. And they keep making the same error over and over and over and over, and they never really go for well. I think I'll stop riding for a couple of months and learn something about this horse. Now, you know, how about yeah. putting putting the horse into training with somebody? Is that a, a solution? Only if they join the training. Uh-huh. It doesn't. I, I get this a lot. The people will give me horses to train, and I've stopped doing it. They'll give me a horse to train. I'll get the horse right. Doesn't take very long. Or if I'm finishing the horse out. Maybe that'll be a couple of months or summer season in training or something. Finish them out or all the bad habits, uh, habits we don't want, go away. Give it back to a person who doesn't have that much skill with horses. And the problems come back. The, the training that they paid you know, good money for goes down the tubes because they don't reinforce it in the riding because they don't know how to. Or mm-hmm. it's not reinforced in the handling of the horse because nobody understands. So, yes, training is great. Good, professional, gentle, knowledge, wisdom, and compassionately-based training is terrific. But the owner or the human that's going to be with that horse has to take the training, too. Don't expect to get a a horse back and, and just everything's going to be great now with that horse. And you have not developed in your Mm -hmm. knowledge or your skill level. I mean, there are some horses that are very forgiving. I mean, I I have a horse like that. He's 20 years old, and you could put a four-year-old on him. you know, he's just whatever. It doesn't matter how much you know. He'll just do his thing, and he's very safe. And um, So I guess it depends, too, on the horse. Well, you made a wise choice, you, which not a lot of people do. They buy young green horses. Because well, I've got cheap. one of those, too. <laughs> well, those. <laughs> but, but that's okay. So you got yourself a project in that horse. But yes. in, the, in the mature, bomb-proof, mellow horse, you did a, made a very good choice in that horse because you bought a mature, well-trained horse, which is what I suggest that people who are not that experienced or knowledgeable with horses do. That horse will train a, a, a new rider or a new person. They'll babysit that person, which is great. That's what you want. 
Yeah. You don't want to put a have a, a child bring up another child. Right. You want to have an experienced, knowledgeable parent bring up a child, not mm-hmm. another child. And that's what happens when you put novice horse people together with young green horses. It's not a right. good formula. Right. Buy a mature, well-trained horse if you're a novice. Well, and the other thing, too, here that I, that I think is an issue is people's just personality. I mean, I know the, you know the gal I mentioned to you, and then I know another gal who uh, has been riding her whole life. She was a show jumper uh, competitor. She f- had a fall and broke her back and her neck and was in the hospital for a year and got all put together and has like a morphine drip on her back. And I mean, just, and there she is out there every day. I see her out on the trail riding. Now she's not jumping anymore. She's got a big old paint horse, but he's young. And um, she doesn't have any fear. And it's just incredible to me after what she went through that she wouldn't even get back on a horse. Well, I give that gal a lot of credit. Yeah. (laughs) I would give her a prize. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I I have to say, how old is the woman, do you know? She's probably in her mid-50s. God bless her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you've done something all your life, and, I mean, I, I'm 62, and I get, I've been, you know, occasionally get dumped. doesn't happen very often, and it's always my own fault if it happens. Uh, doesn't happen a lot anymore, thank God. But I still get on colds, you know, and I... Mm-hmm. I love what I do. I love it. And she obviously loves riding. Yeah. She's been doing it a very long time. And I, I work with a lot of Grand Prix riders in Europe now. And and they just they develop a, a love for, a passion for riding that goes along with their passion for horses. Some of them are more passionate about the riding than they are about the horse. Mm-hmm. But I think your friend has has both. And I applaud her, and not everybody would be that that courageous, that's for sure. Yeah. It does take a certain kind of courage to do what she's doing. Right, and it's not good for my ego, because I'm out there with my young horse dealing with my fear issues, and I said, she rides past me, <laughs> and I feel like, yeah. yeah, and she's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm uh-huh. up there, you know, nervous and tense and trying to relax, and there she is with all her, uh-huh. you know, bolts and nuts inside of her body because she had a fall and, and looking really relaxed and confident and having a uh-huh. good time. God bless her. Yeah. You know, Audrey, I want to suggest that you, to deal with your fears, help mm-hmm. you through your fears, will handle your horse on the ground a lot. I do, and I have a lot of confidence on the ground. It's funny, when my feet are on terra firma, I, I'm very confident when I get up there, because I have come off this guy a couple times uh-huh. and got hurt, not not seriously hurt, but enough to scare me, you know, uh-huh. and... um you know, when I get up there, it's it's hard for me to be completely relaxed. And then, you know, and I, I know you'll agree, then that, that just probably adds to the horse's Absolutely. issue. Do you still take lessons, Audrey? I don't right now. I wish I could. Uh, okay. I can't at the moment, but I that's my goal is to get back to doing that. And, I, I mean, I've been riding my whole life, so, you know, not to say that I don't need more lessons, but... If I were there, I would mm-hmm. teach you to ride bridle. On this horse? Maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an incredible and wonderful thing to be able to do. And to get a horse to the point that you can, you can take and bridle us around a, you know, an obstacle course or something like that, it develops so much confidence and trust in the horse and bomb-proofs the horse. Uh-huh. It really does in a lot yeah. of ways. Hmm. So just something to consider. 
Yeah, well, that would be interesting considering when he's wearing a bridle, he doesn't pay too much attention to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there you go. So we need to keep his attention on you even without a bridle. So oh, yeah. He's not paying yeah. attention to the bridle anyway. No. <laughs> that's, that's no, he's much cool. better. He's much better on the ground. He's great in the round pen, you know. He's uh-huh. really obedient and uh-huh. pays really well good attention to me in the round pen. And uh-huh. um, But when I get on him, it's, you know. It depends on his mood, too. I mean, it's... Do you ground drive the horse with double line? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't been doing that. I've, I've been lunging him. Well, I've been working him in the round pen in a surcingle to try to get him to give to the bridle a little bit because uh-huh. um, he's not good so you're, with that. you are driving him in the round pen? Well, I'm not driving behind him. I'm just, I've got him in side reins attached to a oh, surcingle. Yeah. Okay, ground drive him. Double okay. line him and take mm-hmm. him out of the round pen and put him in a, in a bigger arena and drive them around the arena and here and there and all over the place. And then when the weather's nice and in an enclosed area, take them outdoors and ground drive them outdoors. He'll come into the bridle like you wouldn't believe. Mm, he will. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he, you'll have a, a more responsive horse, and you'll also develop, develop better hands. Ground driving is something that the trainers do with young horses all the time. But when the horse gets a little, little bit older, it's generally dropped. But I think it's a very good thing to do to keep a horse, something different to keep their interest, to keep them tuned up. I want to recommend it to you. Hmm. Okay, so you need driving reins for that? Double lines, yeah. Or just two matched lunch lines will work, too. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Okay, that, that's a really good idea. Um, yeah, really. Tie the stirrups together. Don't need a surcycle. Tie this. doesn't matter the kind of saddle. Put a saddle on them, tie the stirrups together with a string under his belly, and uh-huh. then run the lines through the stirrups to your snaffle bit, okay. and don't uh-huh. use anything other than the snaffle, or just drive him in a halter, right. uh, rope halter, and he'll mm-hmm. come into the bridle, he'll come into hmm. the halter. Well, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, try it. Yeah, I definitely will. Good. Well, you know, as far as the fear thing, I mean, I, I uh-huh. do think that um, some people are more naturally fearful in general than others. True. And, um, you know, so I think some of us have more more problems with the, this because of that. I think it, it's a reflection of, you know, what, what we just feel out in the world, probably. Um, so, and so, uh, it seems to me that if you can overcome this, it could probably help you in other areas of your life as well. Totally. Uh, uh, briefly, knowledge dispels fear. Learn mm-hmm. about the thing you think you're afraid of. Learn as much as you can about it, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. Develop... Um, uh, uh, that knowledge base, and then learn learn technique. In other words, take riding lessons, or or go to a clinic or a bunch of clinics, and 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 practice the skills on the ground, which will really help you to get more in touch with your horse and develop trust with the horse, and so on. The horse will be more inclined to try to do what you ask and trust you more when you mm-hmm. ride it. Right and. Um, Always be compassionate. Don't get angry at the horse. Mm-hmm. That makes him afraid. Right. And it doesn't do you any good either. Yeah. Use your breath. Breathing can help dispel some fear. If something's going down when you're riding that horse, just breathe consciously. Don't hold your breath. Try not to hyperventilate. Mm-hmm. Try to breathe consciously. That will help. And um, when things start to escalate in a fearful way, if with your horse when you're riding, if you could just lead that horse's movement, don't try to restrain him. Just direct where he goes. Put him in a small circle, or put him into a, 
uh, turn on the forehand or something like that. Give him something to do to focus back on you as a leader. Don't just right. start trying to restrain him. Okay, great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Franklin, for being my guest this week. Thank you for inviting me back. And oh, very sure. Happy holidays to you. Yeah, same to you. Uh, if anyone out there has any questions or comments about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. And we'll have uh, in the episode info page, we'll have a link to Franklin's website. So you can go there and, and check out uh, what he's doing. Until next time, everybody, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around every week on Pet Life Radio. Horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.